0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you
1: did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Janice Dean. I'm Brett Bear. I'm Martha McCallum, and this is the Fox News Rundown.
2: Monday, April 11th, 2022. I'm Mike Emanuel. Ohio Republican Congressman Jim Jordan is demanding answers from more than 50 former intelligence officials who signed a public statement in October 2020 saying the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian propaganda.
3: When they issued that kind of statement, it has added weight. And for them to do it literally days before the most important election we have, an election for president of the United States, election for commander in chief, it has added significance. And they weren't giving us the straight scoop
4: alisa brady home prices are outpacing high inflation going through the roof does that mean the bottom will drop out of the economy i don't think it blows up like
0: 2008 but there will be major stresses that could reverberate negatively to people who buy at the top and are unable to sustain payments
5: and i'm carol markowitz i've got the final word on the fox news rundown The
2: federal probe into the president's son, Hunter Biden, has intensified in recent weeks as prosecutors at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware are seeking grand jury testimony about Hunter's foreign income. Mark Levin dug into the Hunter Biden controversy on his Life, Liberty, and Levin program. There are multiple mentions of Joe Biden. There's multiple mentions uh-huh. of the commingling of finances. There's multiple mentions of him getting a cut of the action. We have an eyewitness to that effect, Bob Alinsky who is a serious person and a serious witness. The dominant foreign policy issue to start the week continues to be the horrendous Russian invasion of Ukraine. On Fox News Sunday, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell noted one positive.
3: Putin's invasion has done a lot to unify NATO and, and get the attention of NATO. It's also noteworthy that uh, the Secretary General of NATO has pointed out we're going to beef up the troops
6: Along the eastern border.
2: In terms of American politics, in less than seven months, American voters will be deciding the House and Senate majority for a new Congress. Former Republican Congressman Sean Duffy says on a range of issues... Democrats will pay a price. I think uh, the the American voter is going to hold Democrats accountable to a huge extent in the spring election. And uh, again, I think Democrats wish they could kind of pivot and go in a new direction, but there's nowhere to go. Circling back to Hunter Biden's name, making headlines a controversial story that's heating up a year and a half after it broke. The president's son, Hunter's shady international business dealings and how mainstream media outlets are no longer dismissing it.
3: Well, I mean, I think it's funny how the story has changed over time. You know, 18 months ago, it started off, it wasn't his laptop, then it quickly switched to, well, it was his laptop, but it was Russian disinformation.
2: Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan is the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee.
3: And now the story is, well, it's not Russian disinformation, but Joe wasn't really involved, and that has even changed to, well, he was involved, but he didn't do anything wrong. So, I mean, it it is amazing to me that, Everything we said 18 months ago was actually true. The laptop was real. The eyewitness, Mr. Bobolinsky was real. The emails and text messages were all real. The only thing fake was the news and the conspiracy with, you know, big tech, big media and Democrats. And maybe most importantly, the conspiracy with 51 former intel agents doing the letter, which became the basis for big tech and big media to suppress this story when those 51 former intel officials said that i think the quote was all the earmarks of russian disinformation so uh, it's amazing how things have changed and how the truth is finally coming out
2: I remember that letter very well from the 51 former Intel officials. Final days of the 2020 campaign, late October, and they basically came out and and blasted the laptop story. Uh, Now, you've sent Mm -hmm. letters from your committee, the House Judiciary Committee, to those officials. What kind of questions are you asking them at this point?
3: Who they talked to, what was the basis for them putting together the letter? Because never forget this. This is just like what Adam Schiff did a few years ago when Adam Schiff comes out and says there's more than circumstantial evidence that President Trump colluded with Russia. He's saying that not just as any citizen, not just as a member of Congress, but as the chairman of the Intelligence Committee. So there's added weight giving to a statement like that, that we all thought was wrong at the time and certainly has has proven to be wrong over time. Same thing applies to these 51 former intel officials. They're former intelligence operators, intelligence officials. When they issue that kind of statement, it has added weight. And for them to do it literally days before the most important election we have, an election for president of the United States, election for commander in chief, when they do that, it has added significance, and they weren't giving us the straight scoop. So that is what is so troubling. So we want to know, how did you put that together? Who did you talk to? Did you talk to the press? What other, did you talk to people in government? How did you come up with that statement, uh, that letter, that became the basis for uh, keeping this story from the American people?
2: The Wall Street Journal says a federal tax probe into Hunter Biden is gaining momentum and prosecutors are looking at his sources of foreign income. Uh, The New York Times says the tax inquiry is widened to include possible violations of foreign lobbying and money laundering rules. Final thought from you on that topic.
3: Well, 10 days ago, the Washington Post did two stories, one at 11 a.m., one at 11.04 a.m. So two eight-page long stories, four minutes apart. That doesn't just happen particularly 180 degree change from where they were, as we said, 18 months ago, why are they doing that all of a sudden? Why the sudden focus on getting the truth now? Uh, it seems to me something big is probably, I mean, I don't know for sure, but the suspicions are that there, there's going to be an indictment for tax concerns or whatever. Um, again, we don't know if that's going to happen, but something is certainly up, or you would not see the Washington Post doing two long stories, like I said, just four minutes apart um, last week.
2: As we look at the situation overseas in Ukraine, uh, we are hearing from NATO leaders they are planning permanent military presence at the border of their you know, area, basically, oh. to hold off Russian aggression in the future. Your thoughts on NATO firming up uh, to counter Vladimir Putin long term?
3: Well, I mean, look, we all know what what Vladimir Putin has done is as wrong as wrong gets. And the Ukrainian people, and under President Zelensky's leadership, are fighting back and doing all they can. Uh, We need to be um, united as NATO, stand against this kind of aggression. I think that's what's happening. Uh, I think the bigger concern here for most Americans is when weakness is projected from the Oval Office, bad guys are going to do bad things. And we have seen that play out with, with this administration Uh, I thought it was interesting that when Mike Pompeo, former secretary of state, was asked the question, would this have happened if President Trump was in the White House? He says, well, the short answer is I don't know, but I do know this. It didn't happen when he was in the White House. And I think that says it all. So that to me is the biggest concern long term is there has to be a stronger position from our administration, certainly from the Oval Office going forward in so many ways. Or I think bad guys around the world are going to continue to try to do bad things.
2: A lot of Democrats have argued, basically, the United States can only do what it's doing now. Otherwise, we mm-hmm. risk World War III. Is there really something in between that the United States could do? Something more the commander in chief could do to help Ukraine hold off and even defeat Russia?
3: Well, I do think we have to be careful in, in things that we say. You know, our secretary of state and certainly the president of the United States, you got to be real real deliberate, I think, about what you communicate. But I think the main thing is you got to continue to help with weapons for Ukraine, which is certainly what President Trump did with the javelins. Uh, I think we continue to do those kind of things to give Ukraine a better chance of fighting off the aggression from, uh, from the Russians. So I think that makes sense. And certainly that the sanctions have been put in place and Congress has agreed with, with those sanctions uh, and been helpful there as well.
2: Okay, to something that's hitting every one of your constituents and every American across the country, inflation. And the warnings are there that inflation hurts, and you really better get used to it. It doesn't appear to be going away. Your thoughts on our economy right now?
3: Well, no, it's it's in terrible position. Uh, I mean, you got $6, $7 gas in California, $4, $5 gas everywhere else. I mean... Uh, you got a 40-year high inflation rate. you got a border that's complete chaos. They're getting ready to make it worse by rescinding Title 42. And you went from relatively safe streets to increased crime in every major urban area in this country. So that is the Biden administration. There is, they have not done one thing well. And inflation hits everyone. Every single family is paying more. And the attitude from the Biden administration is, oh, sorry, get used to it. First they told us it was transitory. Then they told us it wasn't really a big deal. It was going to go away. Then they said, oh, oh, don't worry. If we spend more money, it'll get better. None of that stuff made sense. We all knew it didn't make sense. Uh, and now when, when we have 4 and $5 gas, you have Pete Buttigieg tell you, go out and buy an electric vehicle. You got Colbert on, on TV saying, "No, oh, I don't care if it goes to $15 a gallon because I'll just go buy a Tesla. Forgetting what happens in flyover country and good places all across this country, like the western and, and north central part of Ohio, which I get the privilege of representing, where people work in agriculture, work in manufacturing, build homes, build things, work in construction. You need pickup trucks. I mean, The the disdain they have for people who make things, grow things, and move things just drives me crazy. And I think the American people see it for what it is, and I I really believe that's why you're going to see a big change come uh, this November's elections.
2: Final thought on inflation. Uh, President Biden's progressive left flank um, doesn't want anything to do with fossil fuels. Couldn't the president argue basically for an all the above energy policy? Yeah, do more green stuff, but also do lots of traditional fuels that keep this country running.
3: Yeah, but, but that would make sense. That would be common sense. And that, there doesn't seem to be any of that in this administration. You could say the same thing with the border. It makes common sense to actually enforce the law to keep in place the Remain in Mexico policy, to not get rid of Title 42 and actually have a border that's under control. But they won't do that either. So it just defies common sense where they go with their policies allow anwar to open up allow the pipeline to happen uh, increase the, the amount of leases on federal land do all that and you can still promote green energy god bless you but l- let's not do what they did in a committee hearing a few months ago where democrat members of congress went down the line because we had the oil executives in there and they said will you pledge to decrease production and i'm like I, they got done he got done asking his questions roe Rokana, a democrat from california i said what do you want eight dollar gas And the truth is, they do, because they don't care about what happens to middle class families, as evidenced by the attitude from Buttigieg, the secretary of transportation and so many other people in the Democrat Party.
2: You made reference earlier to November. Uh, Your thoughts as you're out and about in your district and what are you hearing from your fellow colleagues who are out talking to their constituents? Um, Do you believe a red wave is coming in November?
3: sure feels like it. I spoke to a number of people last night at an event in one of our counties. Yeah, it, sh- it sure feels that way. The, the four things I just mentioned, a border that's chaotic, crime that's on the rise, 40-year high inflation, and 5 $6 gasoline, people have had it with the Democrat Party, not to mention not to mention what they've done to our basic rights and basic liberties, basic freedoms uh, with, with this COVID thing, and the fact that w- when the rules apply to us regular people, they, didn't, they never seem to apply to the Democrats who are making them. So you put all that together, and I think so many people have had it. You saw it start to manifest itself a few months back when, when moms and dads got fired up in the state of Virginia and said, we actually think that parents know what's best for their kids, not the government. And it, uh, it, it resulted in the election of Glenn Youngkin a, as a Republican governor in a blue state. I think that is building across the country. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We can't take anything for granted. We'll have to campaign hard. But I do feel like it's going to be a good year for Republicans.
2: If Republicans win back the majority in the House, presumably you would be in line for a uh, chairman's gavel. Uh, What kind of oversight could we expect if the GOP takes over the House in the new Congress?
3: DOJ is targeting moms and dads, treating them like domestic terrorists. That's number one issue we've got to deal with. Second, of course, is immigration, this chaotic situation on our border. I think it's deliberate. I think it's intentional. There's no other way you can interpret the crazy actions the Biden administration has taken. So those will be the, uh, number one and number two. Number three will be, I do think there will be some, some additional things to look into, you know, depending on what happens here with, with the Justice Department and their investigation of the Hunter Biden situation. And, and on, finally, I think you got to figure out how this, this COVID thing started. I think Dr. Fauci completely misled the country uh, early on. I think he knew from the get go when he gets that initial email on January 31st, 2020, that says the virus looks engineered. The virus is not consistent with evolutionary theory. I think he knew then that this thing likely came from a lab and he did everything he could to hide that fact from the American people to cover his backside. I think. Those are the four key investigations that need to happen, and, and uh, I think the Judiciary Committee will be a part of that if, in fact, we, uh, we get the majority.
2: Congressman Jim Jordan of the great state of Ohio, thank you so much for your time, sir. Have a blessed Easter, and uh, hope to you see you too, soon. Mike.
3: All right. Take care, brother.
6: fox news podcasts network
1: i'm janice dean fox news senior meteorologist be sure to subscribe to the janice dean podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your
5: podcasts and don't forget to spread the sunshine this is carol markowitz with your fox news commentary coming up Inflation is still running
4: hot, so hot that the Federal Reserve has been discussing more aggressive efforts to tame it, even as President Biden focuses on the positive, including solid job growth and low unemployment.
6: I said from the outset, we're the only country in the world that comes out of crises stronger than we went into them. That's what we're doing here.
4: He does acknowledge that higher prices are hurting, especially for gas and food. But he's banking on the U.S. economy withstanding the many current headwinds, including ripple effects from the war in Ukraine. The housing market is another factor, though. It's running even hotter, raising concern about the last time a housing bubble burst, the Great Recession more than a decade ago. The most recent broad economy, inflation
0: numbers, 7.9%. That's February year over year, but housing is up 20% this year alone. Fox Business's Jerry Willis. When you talk about that, you forget that housing has been on fire now for a number of years. So it's just piling on gains every single year. Now, this is great for people who already own their own home, but if you're in the market to buy, it's deeply, deeply frustrating. And I've talked to a lot of these people. They really don't know what to do now. Uh, you know, some people are talking about getting out of the market. Some people are talking about getting in because they say, if I don't get in now, well, the prices are only going to continue to go up, and so
4: will interest rates. Mm. And that's a real quandary because if you're thinking that you might be willing to sell to make a good maybe profit on your house right now, but then you've got to turn around and buy something. So historically, what happens when there's a good market to sell, but not necessarily at the same time a good market to buy, um, do people tend to kind of wait it out then or what do you do? Well, so
0: there's no rule that says that the housing market can't just stop, It just pause. And that's what we saw in February, right? Sales were down about seven and a half percent. And so you're seeing kind of a stalling out as people figure out what they're gonna do, but it really depends on which side of the coin you're on. If you are a seller, you're thinking, oh my goodness, I could get the most amazing price ever. Applies to moi as well. I'm trying to figure out what to do. But on the other hand, where are you gonna live? And for buyers, it's like, is there any way I can swing this deal? How do I make my offer stand
4: out from what could be dozens of others? What is driving this? Is it mainly just straight supply and demand because we don't have enough houses right now? It's supply and demand, Uh, historically
0: low supply. That's because people are holding on to their homes. As I described just moments ago, people are thinking, where am I going to go if I sell my house, right? So you see boomers just sitting on that real estate. You know, you you can't get their hands off the property, but also demand is rising. And for a few reasons that are really pretty interesting here, we've had a really great uh, stock market for the last few years, and people have made impressive gains, especially boomers. They had a cash of money now that they could put to work. And what you see, especially in the South in this country, is those boomers are going out and they are buying. They are pushing up prices in all of those coastal markets. The number one market in the country recently, Tampa, prices up 30% year over year as a city. Um, So you're seeing that at work And millennials just entering their home buying years for the first time, right? They really want to No, they're not just going to own an iPhone and have an Uber account. They're actually going to buy a house. So you have all these people demanding housing at a time that we're really not building that much.
4: Is a labor shortage contributing to the not building very much right now? And and is that pandemic fallout?
0: Well, I think you put your finger on something that's important. The labor shortage is important to home construction, absolutely. Those supply chain snafus, they're making lumber more expensive. You can't get a door, you can't get windows. I was just talking to uh, an architect who said, you know, we're waiting three, four, five months for the windows. If you want to do a project, we got to order them now. So that's creating all kinds of pressures as well. It seems to me that everything is moving towards are we in a bubble? Yes, we're in a bubble. Prices are too high. But is it going to explode like 2008? I'm not convinced it will. I know a lot of people are worried about it, right? But look, we don't have some of the overhangs we had back then. Remember, CMOs, collateralized mortgage obligations, that the... the involvement from wall street is not what it was at the time. And you remember all the lying by the mortgage underwriters, right? Remember countrywide, they went out of business. They were lying on their, on, on the, on the forms, you know, it was kind of like a house of cards with the risky mortgages. Yes, exactly. No income, you know, no job. You still got the loan. Rocket mortgage is not countrywide. You know, they're doing legitimate business. There's just a ton of demand right now. So I don't think it blows up like 2008, but there will be major stresses that could reverberate negatively to people who buy at the top and are unable to sustain payments.
5: Mm.
4: The Fed is signaling it might have to hike its benchmark rate more quickly to try to cool down inflation. Even though that doesn't directly raise mortgage rates, does the housing market put more pressure on the needle that the Fed is trying to thread with inflation? Well, the Fed funds rate is closer to mortgage rates than you might think, right? Because Fed funds
0: rate influences the 10-year yield, the 10-year coupon That's what mortgages track. So there is a pretty close relationship. Having said that, the Federal Reserve Board does not follow housing prices as part of their input into whether they're raising rates or not. But you would have to be asleep at the wheel not to know that the housing market's on fire, and I'm sure they pay some attention to it. The question is, can inflation in housing, which is running at roughly twice that of the general economy, can that continue and what happens as rates really start to tick higher? Not going to tell you, 5%, that was the big number we were talking about this week. Interest rates go above 5%, 5.02, for the first time in 11 years, it's talking such about a big 30-year fixed mortgage rates. Correct, the most popular mortgage, the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. But that's really nothing compared to the all-time high of October 1981, when rates went up 18% and change. So if you financed today's median-priced home with an 18% loan, you'd be paying more than $5,000 $5, a month. Now, that may not sound a lot to our New York listeners, but let me tell you, if you're in any other part of the country,
4: it doesn't work. That's a jaw-dropping mortgage payment, I would think, for most people. Um, investment companies also buy homes. Is that hurting individual buyers right now, or is overall that not having much impact?
0: I think this is probably one of the most interesting questions out there. What is the impact of Wall Street getting involved in this way? So what they're doing is they're buying these homes and then they're renting them out. And so think about it. Wall Street really likes investments that are what they call liquid. So you can buy them fast, you can sell them fast. There are lots of people out there to do business with that's not necessarily what the housing market is. There are periods where people really aren't interested in buying houses. And if you've owned a house for any period of time, you know how this cycles, right? You know this cannot be a good place to be. So what happens to that institutional investor involvement if prices go down nationally or if buyers dry up? Are are they patient? Do they sit it out? I, I have no idea. We've never been here before with such a, Huge number of, you know,
4: professional Wall Street style investors. Especially at a time when there's so much less inventory, right? Um, Well, desperate times have certainly led to some interesting entrepreneurship. Um, People are buying fractions of homes now. That's a thing. It's a thing. And guess who's leading the way?
0: Jeff Bezos has a company. He's invested in the company that's doing this. And there was a story this week that they had sold two houses in two hours, and people could put down like a hundred bucks and own a piece of the house. You know, you put down a very small amount of money and you're invested in it. I think it is sort of a sign of a top, which is what I think you're kind of pointing at, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is this a real thing? And does it get legs? I suppose it could. We live in a world of cryptocurrencies, after all, right? But. I don't see it as a really sustained kind of thing. I think most people want to own their own home that they then live in.
4: Right, because the fractional ownership is really just uh, owning a piece of it, again, for investment purposes, to try to make some money eventually. Um, There's also a renewed push in California to use old retail sites as housing sites, including old shopping malls. That does have zoning issues, so labor union issues baked in, The basic idea, though, is that something that's becoming more common around the country? So if you talk to the National Association of Home Builders, they'll tell you that the
0: the amount of land in this country that's available for housing development shrinks every year, and it gets harder and harder to do developments. And I think that's the reason we're looking at alternative places to develop. And I think it's a great idea because there's lots of commercial real estate properties that are virtually unusable because we don't need the office space or we don't need the retail space. So so changing that around and and having that be used in a different way, but actually productive would be great.
4: California is one state where the median home price is well above where it is nationally. I think the last figure I saw was like 758000 for a median price of a single family home. Um, What happens when the cheaper places people are moving to to try to get a better deal um, aren't cheap anymore? Well, I think that's already happening. Coeur
0: d'Alene, Austin, all of these places are going nuts and their prices are dramatically higher. However, there are other places that can develop as well. You're seeing the whole South and and kind of the old-fashioned South, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, like states that you wouldn't expect to draw people, draw people. And I think that's great for uh, those states and uh, for the people who've lived there for a long time. So I think there's a a lot of cities, towns that could be developed. Um, I don't worry about that. But I do worry about California sustaining itself when prices go that high. Because there comes a point where everybody wants to leave, nobody wants to pay the taxes, and now you've built this infrastructure that has to be supported by the state that
4: taxpayers can't afford. Interesting to see where, where it all goes, because I guess there's always a big question in real estate, right? And we just never know what's going to happen. Fox Business' Jerry Willis, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. An absolute pleasure. Appreciate it.
6: Here's a look at the week ahead.
1: Monday. A major change in our nation's identification policy as the State Department will now allow citizens to choose the gender neutral X to be featured in American passports. Also on Monday, one of country music's biggest nights as the CMT Awards takes place in Nashville. Kane Brown leads the list of nominations with four awards. Wednesday, A chance to own space history as Bonham's auction house is putting lunar dust collected by Neil Armstrong from 1969's Apollo 11 mission under the gavel friday major league baseball celebrates jackie robinson day and many special tributes are planned for the 75th anniversary of the athlete that broke the color barrier including a special anniversary logo and all teams for the first time donning the dodger blue 42 jersey numbers and that's your week ahead i'm anna eliopoulos fox news
6: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
5: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
6: Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Carol Markowitz. Markowitz. What's on your mind?
5: It's a funny time to be a new Floridian. In January, our family very publicly moved from New York City to South Florida. Even before our move, it seemed like Florida was more central than ever to the national conversation. Governor Ron DeSantis had famously taken a different path with COVID restrictions and was under intense scrutiny by the liberal media. Every move the governor made from insisting parents have the final say whether their child wears a mask in school to hiring a sane and capable Florida Surgeon General has garnered a serious amount of attention. But in the last few weeks, that attention has been on steroids. It started with the Parental Rights and Education Bill. In it, classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate. I have yet to meet anyone in Florida who finds this controversial. I'm in a formerly blue part of the state. My local elected officials are mostly still Democrats. And yet every parent I've come across has been supportive of this law. There is no outcry on any of the local Facebook groups. It seems like the tumult is completely manufactured on a national level by the liberal media that continues to interview only parents opposed to the law. After Governor DeSantis signed the parental rights bill, Disney, which had been pressured to speak out against the law just a few days before it was signed, had an internal meeting, the contents of which were leaked to journalist Christopher Rufo. The videos were extremely creepy, with Disney execs openly promising to indoctrinate children into gender theory. I know several Floridian parents who are either letting their annual pass lapse or canceling trips to Disney, and other parents who plan to monitor more closely what Disney produces before letting their kids consume the content. Most consider this a self-inflicted wound by Disney. They let far-left activists lead the way, and this is the result. There's a lot of conversation around new arrivals to the state and hoping they, quote, vote the right way, end quote. But in fact, every new arrival I've met has made the journey because they like DeSantis' policies and want to be a part of them. I have taken to joking that I hope the Floridians who have been here all along will, quote, vote right, since they haven't always in the past. Floridians know their state will be a focal point for the next few years, as at least two, possibly three, Republican presidential candidates will be discussed. All eyes on Florida. They know that much of the national news from their state will be filtered through this lens. They're ready. This is Carol Markowitz.
6: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we
6: break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at Briankilmeadshow.com.